Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Yes, this is episode five. I'm Adam Epstein, Rams fans, here as always with Connor Bailey, Chris Mason, and Caleb Jones. Another good week of basketball, boys. I'll tell you what, man, a tale of two games, in my opinion. You know, Thanksgiving weekend, we host uh, Kennesaw State, a typical buy game for BCU. They pay them a couple dollars, they come up here and you play them, and we didn't look good. Uh, had a couple injuries, uh, no ace Baldwin, uh, Jameer Watkins played a, just a mere six minutes, and then uh, we have a little SEC friend, Vanderbilt comes here, head coach, uh, former NBA player Jerry Stackhouse, and I'll tell you, last night was an awesome basketball game, a huge win for VCU, and it, it felt a lot different than it did Saturday night. Caleb, I want to sh- throw to you, though, first with Kennesaw State. It felt like, to me, we're seeing a theme here of first halves where offensively, we're just kind of stuck in the mud. Yeah, I would agree. I think that Jaden Nunn is still getting used to running the point by himself. Luckily, Ace Baldwin's back, so he's not going to have to do that quite as much. Um, But yeah, Kennesaw State controlled that game pretty much until the last four minutes, which gave us a pretty uneasy feeling, or at least for me up in the stands. Um, And yeah, what a juxtaposition when we compare it to last night against Vanderbilt. Just a totally different vibe from the team, and uh, I think you see what what Ace Baldwin brings to us, as well as a healthy Jameer Watkins. Yeah, let's start right there. Initial reactions to Ace and Jameer's health scares. Jameer scared me more. It's a bone bruise. He played only six minutes against Kennesaw State, and I was worried that he was going to miss two or three weeks. Now, he did play against Vanderbilt, and what did you think, Caleb? I mean, he well, looked normal, right? With, with Jameer, I thought it was disciplinary when I was watching the, the Kennesaw State game. Ooh. Uh, but then after the, after the fact, you hear that it was a bone bruise. And, you know, I think that's just like a pain tolerance thing. I don't think you're worried about any structural damage. Otherwise, they'd rule him out for a longer period of time. Um, and with Ace, it – the mystery of him disappearing before the uh, Barclays uh, tournament, it was the same type of deal with him coming back. He just almost appeared. He was in warm-ups and ready to go, and uh, he sure was. It's, it's crazy to think about uh, Caleb just mentioned Ace being out. You're, you know, 15 minutes before tip against Arizona State, didn't, didn't play. <laughs> out of nowhere, no one even knew he broke his hand. Comes back last, last night. And about, and about it was about 40 minutes before game time, you hear reports that, the, that both Watkins and Baldwin are dressed. Ace comes out and plays, has the game of his life uh, with two pins in his hand, by the way, which is still remarkable to me. But, Adam, you mentioned uh, Jameer, and I look at someone like Watkins in a game against an SEC team. You have bigger bodies than most teams you're going to play in the out-of-conference. You need a guy like Watkins who can penetrate, six foot seven, can get up. He had a couple dunk attempts that, I, quite frankly, I thought both yeah, those were wow. going to go in. I'm all for that. But he, to me, he was huge to have last night against a team that's going to be bigger. Yeah, I think the biggest thing to note, though, was just – what Ace Baldwin returning to the lineup does for the offense. Like we were talking about it kind of being stuck in the mud. It wasn't the same anymore, Chris. It was one of those things where it felt like Ace gets the ball moving. You get more open shots from the outside. As a whole, VCU shot 7 of 18 from the three-point line. Not great, not terrible. Got you know, Made just enough to win the game. Yes, and 
everyone can get off the panic button because um, everyone was freaking out on Twitter and Ram Nation like Mike Rhodes can't win the big one, and it's just because Ace wasn't there. Back back to back years, it just sucks that he wasn't there for the big weeks. But you see the difference it makes. It's a whole new team. You look at the three point shooting, seven of eighteen, and a lot of that has to do with with Ace hitting four, going four or five. But yeah. overall, there's something. There's an error. You know, when he's in the lineup, it just feels different. It, it felt different last year, last December when he came back and played, I, I believe it was three or four out-of-conference games. But it just feels that there's a there, – your quarterback's there. You know, backup QB, maybe he has a little talent, but it's just – it's a different vibe. It feels like the quarterback's back and playing. Yeah, we'll, we'll dive into it a little deeper when I go into my stat monster segment. But the assist numbers were static when you compare to the Kennesaw State game uh, with Jaden Nunn running the point. Um, so it, it – it's surface level, you're kind of wondering, like, we're not sharing the ball more on paper, uh, but but Ace gives you a steady hand of just a total difference to the way the ball moves on offense. And um, I think he gets into the sets quicker, right? So, look, points off turnovers, 20 for the Rams yesterday. In the previous games where he wasn't there, that number was way below. And I think it's part of it was we had more live ball turnovers, right? So you push it and go. But part of it's just Ace is such a good defender, and he gets into passing lanes, and he tips balls, and sometimes he'll tip it, and Jalen Deloach will grab it, and then he'll outlet pass, and then boom, we go. You, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the points off turnover, which is huge. In our previous segment, uh, we just come back from uh, Brooklyn and Memphis, and I'd Pretty sure I discussed uh, all three games, our points off turnover. One of them, I believe the pit game, we had eight points off turnover. And I said, hey, we cannot succeed. You, you have a cap, No matter how talented you are, there's a cap to your team if you play like VCU, if you are not getting points off turnovers. 20, that's a lot of points to get off of you know, a, a stop, a, turn, a steal, a, for, a forced bad pass. So it's just, it was a huge impact last night. The only thing that I want to see from us going forward is uh, we got to capitalize on hitting some of these three-point shots. I mean, 33% or a little over is is what you want. Uh, so maybe we need to take more, but we also need to hit more. So I just think that uh, if, if there's one thing that's that's missing right now, the defense is coming along great. Uh, it, it's we just need to finish on offense. The question is, how long is this going to last of us getting – 37 free throw attempts. I mean, it is up tremendous from last season. And you got to give the guys credit. They're attacking. They're getting to the basket. I mean, you know, we're shooting an okay percentage, 25 to 37. It's nothing to write home about. But we're getting to the line more. But, I, you know, I wonder, is that fluky, you know? It's a great question because so often in conference play, especially in, in tight games, say you're playing Richmond or Dayton or St. Louis, maybe a game that can get chippy. A lot of times the officials, they'll eat their whistle. So you make a valid point. I mean, the past two games, Kennesaw State, 33 free, free throw attempts. Uh, Vanderbilt, 37 free throw attempts. It's a lot of attempts. And uh, before the Vanderbilt game, we were top 10 in the nation in fouls drawn, yeah. which is a crazy statistic. Uh, so I, I agree. It's, it's it's a valid question, and I just want to keep keep doing it. Keep take, taking the ball to the rack and let the, let the officials call the whistle. So. so we're top 10 in free throws attempted, 15th in free throws made. Do you guys know what we were last season? I'm going to spoil it for you. 215th. Woof. Yeah. It helps uh, when you have six free throws on one possession. I'll just say that. <laughs> right. that, that, that does help. All right, yeah. guys. So you're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast with Adam Epstein, Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. And we've had two home games this past week, which means it's time to hand it over to our boy, Chris Mason. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, crowd rating. 
So Vanderbilt game, I'll go first since that's um, most recent in our memory. And I was debating whether to attend this game. It was a little pricier than some other games. Um, <laughs> but I did uh, have a work discount, which cut like 5 to $10 off. So that impacted my decision. Does that impact your score too? Oh, yeah. Affordability. Um, <laughs> yeah, affordability is a big factor here. And, um, yeah, my texted my friend Murph, and he also expressed interest in attending. So we went together, sat in the corner um, behind the Vanderbilt bench right near where they run in and out. And it was an electric atmosphere. The students were there. The band was playing loud. It was um, very good, old school um, got really crazy second half with um, Jerry Stackhouse, the coach, getting ejected. So I'd say that's um, A. I'd say A for that for sure. I felt like there was no way VCU wins that game if it was on a neutral site or on the road. The crowd got us the victory. And I know you're going to break down Kennesaw State in a second, but I thought the crowd got us that win as well. I'd agree with you, Adam. And I have a question for you. There, there was a little point about three or four minutes to go, and, and I feel like Section 5 needed needed some, needed a hype guy, specifically someone sitting in the fifth row. Did you notice anyone in Section 5 getting the crowd hype? So I actually took a photo, Caleb, and you'll love this, because the crowd was calmed down, and they were, look. Let me guess who it is. Well, there was a big part of the game here where the entire section was standing up, and you look, everyone else was sitting down. And Connor looks like an American. Connor, Connor, no, dude, he got his whole crowd, his whole section up. He deserves the credit for that. And uh, look, I mean, I, I took a picture so I could prove it to you, Caleb. The section to the right and to the left of him were all sitting down. His section, everyone behind him standing. Deserves some credit. It's beautiful. I'm, the game changer. I'm just trying to pump the crowd up. And you know, This is like after Vanderbilt. Uh, I think after the free throws, after the, te- uh, the ejection, we led by six or eight, but Vanderbilt went on that run, and I, I had to get the crowd pumping. So... I agree with you, and that was a great thing. Is that always been the case? Because I remember when it was when we were in school, it was like we just knew to get excited for the great moments, right? Well, the student section is different from the 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 donor section, right? Just a different demographic. Yeah, students are ready to go. Yeah. yeah, but even the student section wasn't ready at times. I'll say that the 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 section I sit in, it's the same people. Like my whole life, you know how my dad's gotten older. <laughs> There's some people that are older than my dad. So that's all I'm gonna say. They, they, it takes them a while to get up, but overall, it was it, it's fun. I, I like pumping the crowd up and stuff. So I, I felt I felt that I rewarded. Did you everyone. have anything to eat or drink at the game, Chris? Because I always like when you add that to the rating. Ooh, um, Murph's friend got me uh, adult beverage, but I forget which one. Uh, <laughs> but it was good. It was yeah, great return. No, I had a few of those. It was Hardywood Great Return. I'm okay, pretty that's sure. what it was. I I Shout out Hardywood. I have a little anecdote. My brother-in-law got a Papa John's personal pizza, and he said it was pretty weak. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, it's, yeah. That, that, <laughs> okay. that was a bad decision, probably on his part. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, they've the Papa John's has been the media meal every he, game. He also it's ate not my favorite <laughs> at Home Team Grill before, so that's a that's a rough dinner. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> VCU fans. All right, let's move over to Kennesaw State, Chris. Okay, so I'm grading that one on a curve because um, as a professor, I know it's Thanksgiving break, so the students weren't there, and it's a little tougher um, to get people going. But that one was $15, so discounted um, tickets there. And I went with my sister who went to UVA, and she wanted to go too, had a great time. It was a sleepy atmosphere. We're kind of like, oh, we just had all this turkey. It's kind of like tiring um you're like should i really go this game but i did it um and even with uh it was a weak crowd until about two minutes left in the second half and then everyone was like okay then collectively as a group it wasn't a sellout but everyone um 
got into it, the crowd ignited, and Zeb post game, um, and some, and Mike Rhodes as well. Thank the crowd said that had a huge impact on the game. Uh, did you notice in the the baseline in front of the band? Did you notice like a kind of a grandpa figure hanging with hanging with his grandkids? Because because I, I noticed one guy. He didn't get up a lot because he doesn't like to get up. But I noticed one guy. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, proud papa grandpa over there. Oh yeah. So uh, my, my my father uh, Boogie Bailey, big uh, big Ram supporter, was sitting courtside with his nephews. Had a great time. And uh, that last play, uh, Zeb Jackson uh, dabbed up my nephew William, and my dad. So it was fun. Yeah. So I'd grade that B minus um, just on a curve. Have you guys noticed? And this I think this has to be a Coach Rhodes thing. Caleb, I want you to answer this because you're the guy that's been going to season, going to game a season ticket holder for longer than all of us. The VCU Rams, after every game now, win or lose, are going to the student section and then to the opposite side of the court and dapping up everyone along the front row. Wow, I I actually never noticed that. Yeah, you and did you see it, Connor? Brand new this year. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just, I was uh, was your question. When had I? When have I seen that? Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah, it's awesome. I noticed that in the black and gold game, and then the exhibition game, and it's just it's a brand new thing this and, year. And I think Rhodes uh, always preaches in practice appreciation for like everything that these guys have within the program, practice yeah. facility, everything. And I'm the fans, I'm, I'm and I, and I think it. that that's what it's all about. I think it's great. You can see them; they they're excited they to high five the, the students. They go through the the donors, and you know what? Here's the thing: it's good for the program, right? The donors that pay all the money. They sit front row. They know they're going to dap up. I mean, it's it's actually a marketing genius move by Coach Rhodes if it was his idea. It's Absolutely, great. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Villanova, I talk about them every episode, but um, they would run out at the start of the game out of the student section, the huge thing at the pavilion, and go through. So it's like they're, they're, they are student athletes, and they're part of the student section. So I like that a lot. Wow. You're listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein here with Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, and Chris Mason. So we've got to get to... The viral part of yesterday, which was Jerry Stackhouse berating officials to the point that he had to have security remove him from the game. The security guard kind of sunk his hips into him, trucked him, and then carried him carried him out of the arena. It was unbelievable. Connor, I'll start with you. What did you make of the technical? Uh, I thought it was a poor call on the original technical on the on uh, Liam. Is it Liam Robbins? Yeah. I believe. Uh, overall. It's unfortunately not surprising. College basketball officials the last few years have kind of gotten uh, trigger happy with with calling technicals on if you want to call it taunting. But uh, the crazy thing is, you know, the game's being broadcast on CBS Sports Network, and it wasn't shown in live action because that, that was the technical happened right under the eight minute timeout. So media timeout happens, and the whole ejection, the double technical on Stackhouse, and the ejection happened not on live air. So, but uh, someone who's sitting behind the Vanderbilt bench, uh, five rows up, and I'm like, okay, he's getting heated. And then, but it was fun to see that there was the, there was two there was a three wins. There was the first win and then yep. ejection. The second win is the, the second ejection. All right, he's already he's or second technical, he's ejected. Going for that third win, get your money's worth. But one thing I want to point out, first of all, Stackhouse, he still looks good, man. He looks like he can go out and play some basketball right now. Yeah, he, he's fit. He got, the, got the, the triple suit on, man. I love it. He wears that suit because that's what he knows from when he was at UNC. And what I thought was interesting, he forces all of his assistant coaches to dress to the nines also. They all have to wear suits. Oh, yeah. Very well-dressed team. Uh, but, yeah, just a crazy – I've only seen it one, one other time in my life. I've seen a uh, head coach uh, candidate a VCU game. Bruiser Flint, early January 2011, former Drexel coach. And that was with like a minute to go. So so I thought the funniest thing about it. So Connor, like he's saying, he took the video. I tweeted it out. It's at half a million views, so we're not joking. It's actually gone super viral. But one of the best comments, I think, is I can't wait for Vanderbilt to face off against Michigan. 
because people want Jerry Stackhouse and Juwan Howard to go one on one. It's going to be a legit boxing match. Right. Right? They're going to have odds on uh, on on all the betting websites. Oh yeah. I rewatched the video and I was impressed by the security guards. Um, they look like offensive linemen. Like he kept trying to like weave through it like a defensive lineman. They were like moving their feet. They did a good job. Yeah, a lot of Vanderbilt Vanderbilt people on Twitter and everything thought that that guy that the cop was like way overboard jumping out there and getting in front of him. It's like, and he was a Vanderbilt police officer. Right. So it's and just he was funny making that. sure that he's not going to be suspended for the entire season. The only thing I wanted to add on that, I saw him get his first technical and the look in his eye. He knew that he was sending a message to his team and he was going to get tossed. Oh, really? It was, yeah. It was, I, I think he knew exactly what was about to happen. So what? He was making a But point. it was a close game. Why would he want to leave? Can't answer that one. Sometimes it gives your team a boost. But I've you, seen really, it you think it was like a strategic move by Stack? Somewhat, yeah. Wow. They hung in there after. It was yeah, like, I mean, the assistant coach did well. I mean, yeah. he, he uh, well used timeouts and everything. And I mean, he ran the system just like Stack would. All right, so we broke down the games, and that's, now it's time for a box score breakdown with Caleb, the stat monster. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. Updating our important stats, the first one being 12 turnovers or less a game. I'm going to go back to Kennesaw State on, from last Saturday. We had 14, and then we had 15 last night against Vanderbilt. Uh, both are acceptable, just a little over what we're looking for. But again, I, our turnovers did not kill us in either of those games. Uh, unexpectedly, we got Ace back against Vanderbilt, as we have discussed, and he had a four to one assist to turnover ratio, which is which is good. Um, you know, I think if we hit a few more shots, that number uh, gets blown up a little bit more. Uh, the next stat is our Ken Palm adjusted defensive efficiency rating, which is up. Uh, to number 31 in the country. Uh, Very solid number there. Uh, But on offense, we're number 225 in the country. Mm. Going into the season when we were doing all of our prognostications, we thought offense is what we might see a a boost in and our defense might slack a little bit. I don't know why I ever doubted a VCU defense (laughs) because defense is right where you want them to be and the offense is, again, lacking. Having Ace come back earlier than last year when he went out with injury, uh, I think is going to help that number climb quickly. Besides Ace being out, what are you noticing offensively that's leading to our 225th ranking? Missed shots. Yeah. I mean, I mean the field goal honestly, percentage like is frustrating as hell. Like, if you look at Shriver, I mean, I'm not picking on Shriver in particular, but I think he's like one for 15 over the last three games. Since, yeah. the, since the Memphis game, yeah. If you, yeah. I mean, if he just chips in two, three of those a game, I mean that's that's a huge difference. We're struggling to shoot more than forty five percent. Yeah, forty two percent. Yeah, and that's, and that's from the floor. That's right. not even from three. Right. You should be shooting around fifty percent. You should. You should, especially because a lot of it is little bunnies around the basket. And I, look, I don't think it's like that. The offensive game plan from Coach Rhodes is bad as much as the execution's not there. Like Jalen Deloach dribbling off of his knee when he could have had a dunk. You yep. know what I mean? So and, it's things like that. Yeah. It, it's funny because, like, I feel like the last two games we've had really good offensive sets in the last two to three minutes. 
I mean, uh, interior passing last night. Brand, uh, it was Brandon Johns Jr. had a really, really quality interior pass to Toby Lawall for that layup late mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, Jalen had one on Saturday against Kennesaw State. So it's weird. How did it take the last three minutes to get your interior passing down? But well, right. I think it's because Coach Rhodes is calling a timeout and basically yelling at them, "You do this, you do that," and they're yeah. executing. They are responding to him calling offensive plays off of a timeout, but they can't do that in the run of play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're executing in, in that half court set. Uh, when you take a breather and really have one job on one particular play. But in the free-flowing offense, it's a little more of a struggle. Um, the third stat that I like to monitor is uh, Jalen Deloach's foul rate. Uh, he had three versus Kennesaw State. He fouled out against Vanderbilt with, with I think, at least like five minutes left. It was before the under four timeout. Yeah. It was before Stackhouse was even ejected. Right. Oh, was it? Yeah. 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 Um, so- because And here's the thing. A lot of those fouls were BS, I will say that. But he got his fifth foul, like, touching the back of the big man, and, like, yeah. 10, 20 feet from the basket. The stat, I mean, those are, those are the fouls that just drive you crazy. It's just I, totally I, unnecessary. I could just feel your reaction. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, you, yeah, you interpreted it perfectly. But, um, but I, the, in, I, like we were just talking about a second ago, Deloach's turnovers in the post, I feel like, have been a bigger uh, pain in our side than his fouls have been. And he's getting the ball in some good spots, and he's just not converting. I almost want to change this to quality point paint touches where, uh, you know, how many times is Jalen Deloach getting the ball in the block and converting? Because that's where we're missing him now. Against because Vanderbilt, Brandon Johns is the only guy that can score on the block besides Deloach right now, yeah. and he's not giving us anything down there. Right, and we went to Deloach early in that game and he got a bucket and then he disappeared probably was foul trouble we did like connor said we got that huge bucket late from toby lawall but we can't count on him to be a paint point guy right and he just we, we got to get him to have a little bit softer hands around the rim because mm-hmm. that would i think it gives us a very different dimension and makes us a lot more of a uh, threat all over the court um so the, a few other things that i noticed just over the last two games we had 24 points from the free throw line against kennesaw state we had 25 points from the free throw line against Vanderbilt. We were being aggressive. We were getting fouled a lot. And we, we had talked about that earlier. And guys are slashing. I mean, they're pushing it. But what I really like is we are getting up on the in a positive way. We're getting up in the foul count early in halves where people were getting in the bonus and then the double bonus because our free throw shooting is not great. Mm-hmm. We're in the double bonus like with eight minutes left in, in a half. That's that's a great place to be, especially when you struggle offensively to run an efficient set and exactly. get off a good shot. Exactly. Get to the free throw line, even if you make one of them. You know, here's the thing: it's it's not a turnover. Right. It's not a live ball turnover going to the free throw line. It's never it, yeah. a negative. Um, and and then we we were talking about how our assist numbers are static from game to game, from yeah. eight assists to eight assists in each game. I, I think that's right. It might not be, but anyways, it's because we're we're shooting so many free throws. And then Ace Baldwin scores 28 points last night. Unassisted. I mean, that's, <laughs> right. that, that's over, well over half of your points from the free throw line and one person. Of course you're not going to have that many assists. Right. So, I mean, it's a big difference. Speaking of Ace, one of my favorite plays was late in the game. I believe it's when we led by led by, led by two. It was, it was 66 to 64 with about a minute to go, and he kind of fought through traffic late. And I was like, oh, he's got a, it was like a running back. He had a wide open lane and just laid it up off the glass to go up 68-64. But – uh. He's just a baller last night. Yeah, I just want to throw that out he there. He kept his hand in the air, too. Yeah, it yeah. was like it was the famous left hand. I so, loved it. So um, the only other thing I wanted to mention is, Ken, I think you said on Kim Palm, we were 
10th mo- we're drawing the 10th most fouls in the country. Top 10, yeah. Bart Torvik is another Ken Palm. It's a very similar uh, metric. Where S- say this name again? Bart Torvik. He's a, he's a uh, Wisconsin guy. Yeah. It, 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 I'm more it, of a Ken Pomeroy fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, we're top five in the country on Bart Torvik in drawing fouls a game. So the aggressiveness is there. The defense is there. If we hit threes, we are a dangerous team. That was a great point. All right. So the Temple Owls, Owls are the competition this Saturday. I will be in attendance. Chris Mason will be there. Connor Bailey will be there. Caleb will be at the next one. Let's do a little Temple breakdown. Connor, I'll start with you. Well, this, for starters, the gang hits gang hits Broad Street, Philly, Philadelphia version. So that's the first thing I'm gonna say. But, Wait, uh, so this uh, stadium's on Broad Street? The campus is uh, Broad Street is so in Richmond, Broad Street it's east to west, yeah. and Philly it's north to south. Oh, that's kind of cool. I'm correct with that, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. As a, why, why am I saying that? You used to live in Philly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a Big Five guy, um, <laughs> former Villanova um, fan, and. Oh, yeah, where the Big Five. So it is North Philly, right off Broad Street, Leacor Center. has like 10,000 seats, so great arena. I've never been. I'm excited to see it. I know my dad went the only year of VCU and Temple shared the Atlantic 10, our first year, 2012-2013. He went. It was the last game of the year. It was a CBS, not CBS Sports Network, CBS game. And uh, old Khalif Wyatt, Mr. 55-year-old YMCA baller, uh, just balled on us that day. But uh, T- Temple's an interesting team. You know, so far this season, kind of a mixed bag, 4-4. Four and four. Got a win over Villanova, who's been very disappointing. A loss in overtime against Vanderbilt at home, who we just played. Beat Rutgers, who's top 40 in Ken Palm. Lost a close game to St. John's. Lost, kind of got handled by Richmond. Not a blowout, but Richmond led in the whole game. But have beaten Drexel in LaSalle in the last two games. But I'm looking at a team who has three. their three best players or three transfers. Khalif Battle from Butler, Damian Dunn, Tulsa, and Jameel Reynolds from uh, UCF, who this past offseason transferred from UCF. And VCU looked at him. I don't know how serious it was. So you're playing a decent team, decent-sized team. One thing I'll point out, this is our second straight game against a former NBA player, uh, coach team. Aaron McKee, longtime Temple assistant, former Sixer. Uh, I don't any other teams. I know Sixers are the main team. He was team definitely I'm on the team with Eric Snow and Iverson, right? Yeah, like one oh two. And uh, you know, here's a fun fact. You know who's one of the assistants for Temple? No. It's Monty Ross. Do you know uh, that yeah. name? Uh Drexel. Right or no, Delaware, De- former uh, Delaware yeah. coach when we were in the CAA. Yeah. So uh, you know, this is a top hundred Ken Palm team. Not a t- not a win that puts you in the tournament, but you get a road win against a top hundred team. It helps your resume. It help it boosts a lot of confidence because we have five games at home after this game. So go through their three scorers again because those guys put up some serious numbers. Uh, Khalif Battle and Damian Dunn can both scorch the net yeah. from deep. Dunn had thirty eight. Against yeah. Vanderbilt. Woof. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they both can they can light it None's up. None's going to need 40. I was, I was watching them against St. John's. Uh, U of R was playing Syracuse that same night. And, uh, I mean, I was really impressed by Battle and Dunn. I mean, they're, they're very talent, talented offensively. I think they'll, they'll have some lapses on defense. And then Jameel Reynolds is just a – he's a tank. I think he's like 275 pounds and 6'11". And their big win against Nova – when Nova was number sixteen in the country, doesn't look that great anymore because they're two and five. So that's not as impressive at it as it we felt at the no, time. No, I'm yeah. I'm more looking at their schedule and, and looking at that Vanderbilt game because I, Vanderbilt could have beat us. You know, I mean, yeah. if Liam Robbins isn't in foul and he played like four minutes in the first half, right? Mm-hmm. He's their star. He kind of took over late in that game. That game could have gone either way. So they play Vanderbilt to overtime. This is going to be a close game, yeah, Connor. And like like we talked about. Um, Comparing us against St. Louis with the Memphis game, U of R already played and beat Temple on a neutral site up at Barclays. So I'm curious to see how we play against them after U of R beat them. I'm looking forward to it because 
you know, Vanderbilt was a home and home. We played Nashville last year. They came here. Memphis, we already played this year on the road. They come to Richmond next year. Temple, we play them on the road this year. They come here next year. And Temple's a program, a great program for years. One of the elite A-10 programs. But a, a, they made a football decision to go to the American Athletic Conference. And I feel like if you ask Temple fans, they've lost their basketball identity. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the game regardless, though. And the big thing is gang hits Broad Street. So Yeah, yeah. Rothstein's always pushing for them to come back to the 810 on Twitter. Yeah, he's like, go home. He's like, two, <laughs> he's like 225 p.m. Tuesday tweets. Temple should be in the 810. Yeah. yeah like, and one more thing. We're seeing our friend Gab, who is at the Brooklyn game. She's coming down from New York. So excited to see her and yeah. I think there's going to be a good turnout of VCU fans because we always travel well, and Philadelphia is not that far. It's a Saturday game. You really have no reason to not be there unless you have a, a wedding. <laughs> Large yeah. alumni. Uh, no comment. No. <laughs> Large alumni base in Philly. Plus, Adam, you know, all our all our artsy friends at VCU, they were all from like the Philly area, so, you know, it, it, there, there's an alumni base there. Let's give a shout-out. Where's the bar that we're all going to pregame at? Oh, It's Hoagies and something? I think it's called Patty's Pub. <laughs> my dad is gonna be frank reynolds so it's, hard this week that's such a uh, good bit <laughs> I, it's it's right I, i'll look at it's uh we'll tweet it it's now. right near the leah court center i think it's like right next it's to like it or mike's something. or something yeah. I, I i gotta look it up that, that that's I should Patty's be yeah so but yeah it's, it's gonna be exciting maxi's pizza time. hoagies and bar is the pre-game gathering place maxi's pizza hoagies and bar Come say what's up. Going to have FOMO big time, guys. The Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Every single week, each of us have our own segment. This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. As always, start with the backstory. Uh, one of the best VCU seasons in definitely in my lifetime and, and just in general was the 2006-2007 VCU men's basketball season. Uh, go 24 and 6 on the regular season, win the CAA tournament 27 and 6, beat Duke in the first in the round of 64 and lost to Pitt uh, in the round of 32. But got a, their first NCAA win since 1985. So this is 2007. Uh, great season. Two seniors graduate: BA Walker, Jesse Pelarosa. But the best freshman class VCU's ever had comes in featuring Joey Rodriguez, Brandon Rozelle, Larry Sanders, Ed Nix, and guys like that. So that brings me to my game that I'm bringing up December 2nd, 2007 against Maryland in the BB&T Classic in Washington, D.C. A little backtrack, VCU was 3-3 three and three at this point, had, just had a bad road loss at Hampton, who was like 350 in the RPI. Bad wow. team. And apparently second-year coach Anthony Grant, current Dayton coach now, kind of went on a spiel to the, the locker room and said, hey guys, this is not last year. You know, you you won your conference last year. You beat Duke in the first round. That doesn't matter anymore. So you kind of went on a big rampage. That's what we've been told. So, anyways, we're playing Maryland, and I go up to the game with my dad, my brother, and uh, my brother's friend Jermaine, friend of the pod, by the way, big fan of ours. He's he's they're already at the game. That actually happened to be the same day that the Bills and the Washington Redskins played. The week after Sean Taylor passed away. Oh my god! It was like a really emotional day in DC when the Washington team screwed up the timeouts and and Ryan Lindell kicked like a thirty-five yard field goal. But I remember my my dad, my brother, and Jermaine are like sitting at the bar. Was it is it Clyde's the bar that's at the uh, yeah? At the time it was MCI Center, but they're hanging there and stuff. But uh, kind of a sad day in DC. But but ended up being a fun game. So we're playing Maryland, who that year ended up not being great. 19 and 15, 8 and 8. Did they have Vasquez, maybe? Sophomore Grievous Vasquez. Senior Bombali Osby, Benedictine grads. That's so lame. I could probably name Maryland starting five, not the VCU one. Eric Hayes. Preview, yeah. So, but we're playing a Maryland team who was a four seed in the NCAA tournament the year before, had beaten Davidson in the first round before losing to Butler. So, playing a good team. So, we come up there, and Maynard's the preseason player of the year. Everyone knows who Maynard is. Has a cool two points of the half. 
reason why he only had two points at half, and we're tied 30 to th- 34 to 34, is senior Jamal Schuler went nuclear, had 19 points in the first half, hit five threes. My favorite play, and it's it's a play my brother and I still talk about all the time, VCU's trailing by one with like 2.15 to go in the first half. Kind of a broken play. We had gotten trapped. Uh, Kirill Pashanikov, our, at that point, it was a new VCU player, a sophomore Juco from Russia, kind of grabs the ball, finds Shoe. Shoe's right, and for you new VCU fans, that's the best VCU nickname, in my opinion, Jamal Shuler. We just called him Shoe. I don't know how it started, <laughs> but he was just Shoe. But he gets the ball at half court, takes about three dribbles, and pulls up for three and hit and to take a 30 to 28 point lead at that time. And I remember the announcer, I watched it a couple days ago on YouTube. It's like a, I think it's a Masson or Comcast sports announcer. And he's like, this is the new age of uh, basketball. And I'm sitting there like, oh, seven, like pull up three. That's not even a thing. Nowadays, that's, you see it all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it was such an awesome, because he like he points at the VCU crowd. And I remember strictly, I'm sitting in the corner on the, the lower level, like all the way in the corner. And then athletic director Norwood Teague is like in our section. I thought it was so cool. Looking back, <laughs> why the heck was the AD sitting in the corner section? <laughs> like, why isn't, why wasn't he behind the bench? I'm sitting there with my dad and stuff, but, uh, Overall, great game. I remember at halftime, strictly, uh, my dad, Boogie Bailey, says Maynard's going to go off in the second half. They, 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 they were eyeing him the first half. He only had two points. He's going to go off. Has 23 in the second half to finish with 25 points. Schuler still has 11 in the second half. Throws up a 30 rack on Maryland and Gary Williams that night. So Schuler 30, uh, Eric Maynard 25. We end up winning 85 to 76. A fun game. We're chanting VCU. We're chanting CAA. A fun win. Just something that um, – you know, almost validating. We had just beaten Duke in the tournament the year beforehand. It's hey, we can beat an ACC team who just won a national title a few years ago. So uh, it's just a, a fun game, a neutral site. So bringing up another new, a neutral site game that was important. I mentioned in a previous pod. I mentioned a UCLA win at Madison Square Garden. Just an awesome win, kind of validating. Only downside is they weren't awesome that year. But uh, heck, that's the only time we played the Terps in the last twenty plus years, and we got a win. So with that said, Caleb, can you name that starting five? Uh, I'm gonna guess Mayner started at one. Yeah. Schuler at two. Is it Bradford's freshman year at three? I, I don't think Kirill so. got the nod at four and Larry at five. You got, th- you got three right. Damn. So Maynard, Schuler, and Larry. Larry is a freshman, played 12 I, minutes. Yeah. It, the Burgess one. You were, come on. Bradford's a year later. Yeah. One year, okay. Bradford was Anthony Grant's last year. Because remember, he played uh, yeah, after yeah. the Final Four, too. Yeah, we yeah, there, okay. you know. yeah. So uh, you got Larry Sanders, freshman, Maynard Jr., Schuler Sr., and Maynard played 38 minutes, Schuler played 36, right. Larry played 12. TJ Gwynn. Uh, he actually played three minutes that night. I don't know if you remember this. As a sophomore, he was kind of in the doghouse. He didn't play a lot as a sophomore. He played three minutes that game. But who else we got? Uh, you said Kirill. He, he, he played 24 minutes off the bench. So Kirill played that night off the bench. So what am I missing? A small you're forward and a power pow- forward? You're missing a power forward and, and a guard small forward type, type of player. Uh, I don't know. You guys got anything? Nothing. I got nothing. Okay. I so, mean, I'll remember him once you say him. So freshman Ed Nixon played tw- started oh, and played wow. 20 minutes that night. Oh, dude, I was just going to say that because yeah. I had him on the show today. Easy, oh. Ed. Senior Michael Anderson started at Power Forge, played 29 Michael minutes. Anderson written down. So Michael Anderson. See, that, that's I'm, you're lying. You always oh, say that. No, it's no, always no, written down. <laughs> Anderson. You just got I, gonna, I wanted to say Mike Nice. <laughs> it's an A Mike and nice. a couple scribbles. <laughs> Mike yeah. Nice. So Larry Sanders, Michael Mike Anderson, nice. Ed Nixon, Maynard, and Schuler started that night. Michael Anderson played 29 minutes. You mentioned Kirill Pashanikov played 24 minutes on the bench. Uh... TJ Gwynn played three minutes off the bench. There's three players remaining. One of them you you, you should be able to get because he's the same class as Nixon and Larry. Jo- uh, Joey. Joey played 21 minutes. I'll tell you right now, Rozell did not play in that game. Just, I don't want to just just to give you a heads up, but Joey played 21 minutes, hit five free throws late in that game. There's two other players, and they were not on the roster the next year. Transfers. Uh, yeah. one of them was a transfer from a JUCO. One of them transferred to, out to I believe a JUCO or a D2 school, and he was supposed to be really good. 
Uh, I don't know. All right, the one the one that's kind of random is Frank Dongo. He played in a played, came from a JUCO. Yeah. He played two minutes in that game. Uh-huh. The other one who's the player, James Eversley. <laughs> no, but that's a good guess. The other player I thought was the best player from that Larry Sanders junior oh, class. Lance Curse. Lance Curse played yeah. 15 minutes. Uh, cousin of Javon Curse or second cousin of Javon Curse, NFL player, Titans and Eagles. But yeah, Lance Curse was supposed to be like the best player from that class. But uh, yeah, man, uh, awesome win. I mean, chanting VCU and CAA at, at, at that game was crazy. I remember there were some Maryland fans right behind us saying, oh, CAA is a crappy conference, this, that. And I'm like, dude, we just, we just punked y'all. That's so. a big win because Gravis was very good in college. As a sophomore, he had 19 points, was not an eye from the foul on that night. Uh, you want to you just want to throw a few names out there, Adam or, yeah. or Caleb? Go ahead. Eric Hayes. Eric Hayes started. I played against him and, and Bambali. Uh, Eric Hayes started and played 34 minutes. Bambali actually did not start that night, but he, yeah. he did play. Uh, yeah. Was there a strawberry? No. He was he was definitely uh Daryl's son was definitely gone by then. Uh, yeah. uh Nick Kaner Medley, he was gone. Uh, he was definitely gone by then. Mr. Maine basketball. <laughs> uh James James Gist was in the starting lineup. I remember the guy behind us was like saying he's a first round pick and we're like, What? Yeah. Um Braxton Dupree, that's a good that's a good uh mid two thousands ACC name. And Milbourne last name I'm gonna go is that Landon? I, I don't know. I feel like his first name was Landon for some reason, but that was the starting lineup. But an awesome win at the I'm, – I'm pretty sure that was the MCI Center. That's like – that's that's OG days, baby. Yeah, MCI Center to Cap to Verizon Center to Cap One Arena. It's changed its name three different times since then. I'm Adam oh. Epstein, and I bring the energy. It's time for AWOD's Energy. What about VCU Hoops has AWOD pumped up for this week? All right, guys, I want to give credit to Caleb Jones, credit to Connor Bailey, credit to Chris Mason, credit to everybody who went to the Seagull Center after Thanksgiving, who went to the Seagull Center last night, because take a listen to Zeb Jackson speaking with me in the press conference, how excited he was for the crowd. Zeb, you mentioned the crowd there. Two minutes left, it's electric, everyone's losing their minds. What's going on in your mind when you're on the court and you're trying to stay calm? I'm going to be honest with you. I never even experienced nothing like that before. I mean, at Michigan, COVID years, first year, second year, everybody's coming back. So, for me, that just gave me, like, a whole bunch of energy I didn't even know I had at the time. Like, And it, they definitely helped us uh, pull that out at the end of the game. And I, I'm guessing that rattled the other team, too. But I felt great. So, let's respond to that, guys. I mean, I love that quote from him because you think a guy like come from Michigan, right? He's going to have played in this kind of environment before, but it was rocking. The final 30 seconds against Kennesaw State, you couldn't even, like, feel your heartbeat. So you love to hear. I mean, that's why you go to these VCU home games. It's college basketball, and we're, we're very fortunate. Pretty much my whole lifetime, we've been a top-tier college basketball environment, and it's awesome to hear a guy like Zeb, who kind of had, had a tough break at Michigan uh, between illnesses and injuries, but it's awesome that he, if you feel like he's found a home here, and he's, he's, lo- he's loving it, man. And he got, I agree with him, I think they got rattled absolutely by the crowd. Yeah, and I think you could say the same thing about the final few, few plays and a few shot attempts for Vanderbilt. Every single week on this show, we encourage people to tweet us, send us messages on Instagram, and you can actually, we're doing a new feature here, you can send us a voicemail, right, Chris? Absolutely. Uh, just DM us and on Instagram and we'll get on the show. And so we want the voicemails to kind of set up, hey, I went to the game, I want to give you my experience. You know, I do a radio show here 12 to 3 every single day, and I love for people to call in. It's fun to take phone calls. With a podcast, you can't get that, so that's why we're doing this cool voicemail. Take a listen to one of our friends, Patrick. Yo, um, getting into the stew, and we've been, like, stopped at the top, uh, just, like, focusing on the peppas. Like, both teams are doing their warm-ups, but 
the band was going ham. The, whoever was playing the sax was just going wild. I was like, oh my god, like we're about to have a night. Yeah, just like the there's like cheering and stuff, but like there's a certain level of hype that the Seagull Center brings that I feel like a lot of arenas and stuff doesn't have. And I had like the, that was peak. It wasn't even crowded. It wasn't even sold out last night. But that was like that was what I think the Seagull Center is all about. Um, it was a special. I haven't been around in the last few years, but I've like. I can't remember it feeling like that since maybe like 2012, maybe like one of those later years, but definitely like for sure that freshman year, like that's how it freshman, sophomore year is what it felt like. Like the buzz was back, baby. <laughs> the Jerry Stackhouse game put us on the map and, uh, Oh, dance team was looking good too. Looking real good. But, um, yeah, that's, that's my take on that. Patrick's got a good pulse on the vibe. I, uh, there, there is a feeling as long as we can keep amassing wins, that, that some old-school VCU crowds and, and that just general energy is back. I'm glad this caller, Patrick, really enjoyed the really enjoyed the vibe, like you said. Uh, it, it's funny because he's come a long way since that St. Francis game in 2011 where I, I went to the game and my, he was my roommate at the time. He didn't make it out to the game. So it's, it's funny he brings up the buzz in 2012. So, Look, I, I think that's a great voicemail, and I will agree with him. I get size for the black and gold dance team. <laughs> <laughs> Always have, always will. I appreciate everybody listening to the Black and Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, not 105.1 FM. If you want to get in touch with us throughout the week, where do you hit us up on social media? The Black and Gold Fan Pod, Twitter, Instagram. For Chris Mason, Caleb Jones, Connor Bailey, I'm Adam Epstein. We'll see you next Thursday. Go Rams!